Hallelujah. That's why it's a beautiful name. The name of Jesus. <laughs> because he saved us when we didn't deserve it. He's a wonderful God. When I was thinking about this, I remember sitting in my bedroom this morning thinking, Lord, I hope the people can grab hold and catch what I've seen this morning. You see, it's like Howard Carter. You know who Howard Carter was? He was a man who excavated Tutankhamun's tomb. And they, there was a film called Tutankhamun. It was a series. And they got to the wall and the door which had been sealed up. And they were about to go home and lock the gates. And he said, I can't wait till tomorrow. Let's just knock a little hole through and see what's inside. And he knocked a little round hole in and he shone his torch in and he said, what do you see? And he said, things, wonderful things. Wonderful things. The day, I hope you can gaze through a bit bigger hole this morning and see wonderful things so you can grab hold of them this morning. Grab hold of them. When I said that, when I said that to the Lord, I suddenly realised what I said. Because I'm talking about the woman who touched the hem of his garment. <laughs> and I realised what I'd said. I thought, oh, that must have been the Holy Ghost. So let's talk about this. This is in Mark 5. Now, it's in three of the Gospels. But we look at it in Mark 5 to start with. And it has the most comprehensive of the, of the, of the writings. Now, Jesus was going to see someone... Um, this is in Mark chapter 5. Uh, he was going to see Jairus the ruler. And as he was on his way, in, let's start with uh, verse 24. And Jesus went with him. This is Jairus. This is Mark 5, 24. And much people followed him and thronged him. So there was a huge crowd. They were obviously very keen to see what Jesus was up to. If Jesus was going somewhere with somebody, they knew something was going to happen. So they're all going to be, they're all in there, just like they are nowadays, all quite nosy, wanted to see what Jesus was going to get up to. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood for 12 years, had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. Now we know all know people like that, who they've gone to the doctors, they've had this op, that op, <laughs> and they're no better at all. In fact, sometimes they, they, they feel worse in the end. Anyway, this first woman's thing. And when she heard of Jesus, now this is a very important little phrase. When she heard of Jesus, where are we, sorry. When she heard of Jesus, came in and pressed behind and touched his garment. She came up behind Jesus. Now, this is the reason, one of the reasons was because she had an issue of blood. She had it for 12 years, and which meant you couldn't, she, you couldn't sit on the same seat she'd sat on. You'd become unclean. You couldn't live in the same room as you lived in. You would become unclean. So she wasn't a very popular person. So she crept up behind Jesus because she said, this is a, a rabbi, a holy person. I, I bet, you know, I shouldn't even be anywhere near him. But she, she, she did, she touched him. And we'll see a little bit more about that, why she touched and how she did it. She said, she pressed behind and touched his garment and she said, 
if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straight away, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed from that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue, or that's the word dominos, had gone out of him, that's power, turned about in the press. They get everywhere, don't they, the press? No. Uh, and said, who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? And the disciples said unto him, they were seized the multitude thronging thee, and you say, who touched me? Everybody was touching him. But they weren't touching him like this woman was touching him. Were they? And you look round about, and to see her that had done this thing. And the woman fearing and trembling, that's because she shouldn't have done it, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. And the word whole there, has made thee whole, go in peace and be whole from thy plague. The word whole there actually is so, which is healed. Uh, but it also means saved. It's the same word as saved. In some places, it's exactly the same phrase, thy faith has made thee whole to somebody else, it's the word healed. Uh, not sorry, the word saved. It's, it's the same word and healed. It's the same word, really. It can be translated differently. So what was it about this cloak, touching his clothes? Well, if we go into Luke 8, we get a little bit more information. As always in all these stories, when you read a story, go and look for it somewhere else and find out. So Luke 8, 43 to 44. And we come, at, come to a little bit more of an idea of what was going on. Luke 8, 43. And the woman, having an issue of blood 12 years, which she spent all her living from physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue, her blood staunched. So, it wasn't just anywhere on his clothes, it was the border of his garment. Now, what does that mean? Well, the word border there is the word kraspedon. It's the word kraspedon. Now, if you go into the Hebrew and you translate that word, it's kanath and tis, tis. Now, it means the corner, the edge. Now, if we go in, we see what it means. The same word is used. I'm not going to use that word again because it, it's a very difficult word to pronounce. It's T-Z-I, T-Z-I-T, zit-zit. It makes like a, like a spot, anyway, not. Um, zit, zit. All right, that's the word. It's the corner. There's something about this corner, or the word craspedon. And that word craspedon is translated zit, zit, zit in the, in, in the, in the, in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which was done around about Jesus at that sort of time. And it, it just meant, uh, so that gives us an idea that this is the same word, has the same idea. Right, so we're talking about the edge of the garment. Now, let's look in, in Numbers 15, and we'll see what they were touching. It wasn't just any part of the garment. You see, it sounds very superstitious, doesn't it? Oh, I'll just touch his clothes and I'll be healed. But it's, it's not superstitious at all. Let's look in Numbers 15, verse 37. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make fringes or zit zits in the borders, the kanaf, the borders, I won't say those words again, they're very difficult, borders of their garments throughout their generations. They put a fringe on the borders and a ribbon of blue. So on the 
four corners of their cloak, they would have these ribbons, these tassels hanging down with a ribbon of blue in it, inside, a, a blue thread in it, on the corners. Now, all the men had to be supposed to wear these. Now, this is the reason. And it shall be unto you for a fringe or a tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. That you seek not after your own heart, after your own eyes, and you go a warring and go after other gods. That you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto the Lord. For I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God, and I am Lord your God. So it's talking about that they will remember it. They remember God's law. They remember that they were separate from everybody else. Their clothes were telling them that they were different to everybody else. And if you look at the Hasidic Jews now in London, you'll see that they still have the same thing. They wear it underneath their clothes and they come out, the tassels come out the top of their trousers and they hang down. They still have them these days, these little tassels. You see, it was to show that they were a separate people unto God. But it also was to show authority. Now we see this because one of the words, this word tzitzit, if, you, if it's a singular, it means blossom. The main word, the root word, means blossom. Now if we go into, um, to see about Abraham, uh, Aaron, remember Aaron's rod that budded? It's the same word. It's the same word. It's there. So when they had, remember that they, that's in Numbers 23:5, they, they were they were having a bit of a problem, weren't they, with who was who was being charged of the of the uh, temple and who was the people who were supposed to offer offerings up to God, and so they all put their um, little rods in their, their little rods, and in the morning Aaron's rod had budded. Now that word budded is the same is that word it's there again. It's the same word and it's a root word. So. It means that he had the anointing and the authority. That's the meaning of it. The anointing and the authority. He had the authority. Now we see this and it explains a lot of other little bits today in other parts of scripture which we, we read and we understand it a bit but it broadens it out. Do you remember in 1 Samuel 15 when Saul was talking to Samuel and Samuel had his cloak on which should have been the tallet, it's called a tallet, which they now call a prayer cloth, and these little tassels on the bottom, hanging on the bottom. And in 1 Samuel 15, 27, we read this story not long ago when we were talking, we were reading about David, looking at the life of David, 15, 27, and Saul had disobeyed, he hadn't killed the Amalekites, he hadn't done this, and they rebels. In 1 Samuel 15, in verse 27. And Saul said, I well, start in 24 and said, I've sinned because he's supposed to have killed all the Amalekites, all right? And he hadn't done it. He'd saved some of them. And he said, I have sinned. I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord for thy words because I feared the people and made not their voice. Therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin and occurn again with me that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with you, for you've rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from thee being king. And as Samuel turned away, he laid hold upon the tits, the canaf of his mantle, and it rent. And, the, and Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and he given it to a neighbour of thine, which is better. So here we have it, it's, it's talking, he, he 
grabbed hold of Samuel's, the little corner with the little tassels hanging down, and he grabbed hold of it and it ripped it off, which was talking about his authority to be a, be a priest, not, just like the same as Aaron's authority. And he took it off. So he was, and so Samuel said, just like you've done that to me, that's what God's going to do to you. He's going to take your authority off you, your anointing off you, and give it to somebody else. The same thing happened, a very similar little idea. We go on into 1 Samuel 24. We read this again in our little Bible study between 4 and 6. Do you remember? David, Saul was after David and he was trying to kill him. And he kept telling everybody, David's after me, he's trying to kill me and he wants to do me harm. And, he was, and, Dave, and Saul was looking for David everywhere and he couldn't find him. And he went to sleep in a cave. And in, this is 1 Samuel 4, 24, 3. And by the way, there was a cave and Saul went in to cover his feet. He went to sleep. And David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. They were in the back of the cave. He didn't know they were there. And the men of David said unto him, Behold the day which the Lord of the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thy hand. They must do to him as they seem good to thee. So David rose and cut off the tzitz, the corner, the kanaf of Saul's robe. He cut it off. And then it says he went, and then afterwards he was really upset because he'd, he'd cut off David's skirt. He cut off David's kanaf or tzitz. He cut it off when he shouldn't have done, really, because it was to do with the, the war that he's, he's being anointed king. It was all to do with this anointing and this authority. So you can see how, and then when David showed it to him later on, he went and went out and they stood the other side of the, when, David, when he'd gone off and David came out of the cave and he shouted to him and he showed him. He knew it was his, eh, because everybody's little tassels were different. They all had, some had different lots of knots in, some had different, all sorts of, they were all different, they had little beads on. They were all different and he knew it was his. He didn't have to look at his thing. So again, you see here again, it's to do with his authority. David had cut off his authority, cut off some of his authority. So it's to do with authority. Another one, it was a very interesting one, is in Ruth, chapter 3. Now, you'll have to know this story, which is just a few pages earlier, before beginning of Judges. Let's go back to Ruth. There's a little story here, which again talks about authority. In, in it's in Ruth chapter three, verse nine. Now remember that Naomi had come back to her family and she brought her uh, daughter-in-law, Ruth, with her. And because she had no children, they had no children, she had no uh, heir, so they would ask, but we find somebody who was a, a nearest relative who could, re, who, who could redeem them her nearest kinsman. And uh, so in verse, beginning of verse three, Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, shall I not seek rest with thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whom, whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnereth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor, and make not thyself known, but make not thyself known unto the man, until he have done eating and drinking. And it shall be, when he lies down, and goes, and mark the place where he shall lie, and as shall go up, un uncover his feet, and lay down, he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said, I will do what you said. 
So she did according to all, verse 6, according to all her mother-in-law obeyed her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went and lied down at the end of the heap of corn, and she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came at midnight, the man was afraid, and turned to himself, and beheld a woman laid at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth thy handmaiden. Therefore spread forth thy skirt, or their kunaf, their corner, over thine handmaiden, for thou art my nearest kinsman. So she's saying exactly the same thing. It's the same thing. It's this corner with the tassels on, which just spoke of his authority, his covering. Put it over me. Put it over me, because you're my nearest kinsman. So the, the, the whole idea here is that when she saw Jesus, she saw who he was. She saw the tassels. She heard about who Jesus was. And she saw he was an anointed one, like David was like Saul had been, like Samuel was anointed and had this, these, these tassels. They all had them, but they had longer tassels when they had these things. And so she saw that he was... So she put herself under his anointing to touch him, to touch his authority. And that's where it was. It was under his authority is where everything is safe and secure. She was safe and secure, just like Ruth was, under his authority, under... Boaz's authority. We put ourselves under his authority. She did that. She put himself under his authority. But there's little more than that. There's three things we're going to look at. That's the first thing, is his authority. The next thing was his messiahship. He was the anointed one, the one who was anointed, the Christ. Uh, we see a little link of this in Luke 1, 78. Now this was when Elizabeth had, ha was, had a prophecy about John. This was Mary's cousin. And in Luke 1, 78. There was, so it's when they went to see Zacharias, and Zacharias gave his prophecy right near the end of the prophecy. Uh, shall, we, uh, shall we start at verse 75 over Luke chapter 1? In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. It's talking him going before the face of Jesus. So he's talking here about Jesus. To give knowledge of salvation which Jesus shall give unto his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high have visited us to give us light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to give our feet into the way of peace. And there, in my little margin, it says, sun rising. So it means the sun, like the sun in the sky, not the sun of God, the sun in the sky rising, the day spring rising. And that's an allusion to one of the last prophecies in to messianic prophecies in the Bible in Malachi chapter 4. And you'll see the same idea here. Four verse two. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness, 
That's the same idea, the sun rising with healing in his kanaf, wings, healing in his kanaf. So that, that word could also be translated healing in his corners. Would be the exact, could, could do that as the same, because it is the same word as the corner, which we read in Numbers 15, where they had to have the corner. So it's the same idea, the corner. So she knew he was Messiah, because this is a messianic promise. This is, in fact, the, the, the last messianic promise in the Bible. Here the son of righteousness will come with healing in his corners, in his tzitz, in his tassels. So when she touched him, she was touching the Messiah, the one who came with healing in his wings. Isn't it wonderful? That's what was in her mind. It wasn't superstition. It was healing in his wings, in his tassels, in his border, in his corner. So she was reaching right down and touching those tassels. And that's one of the reasons. I think that was the real reason. Because she heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus. She knew about Jesus. She knew he was the anointed one because he couldn't do anything like he did. He had the one who they said, he's the man with authority. He speaks with authority, not like the Jews. So they, she, they knew he was different. They'd heard he was coming. They knew he was different. And so she came to touch her Messiah, the Messiah, the Christ one, who was coming to save them. And that's a wonderful picture, isn't it? That's an incredible picture of Jesus being our covering our wing underneath his wings. Now, there's another little... So what does that mean for us? It's all right talking about these people all in the past. What does that mean for us? Well, what were these tassels made of? They had a blue thread in them. Now, in Deuteronomy, you'll see in Deuteronomy 22, verse 12... It's just a similar type of thing. It's the same command, but in Deuteronomy. 22. Numbers do. Twenty-two, verse twelve. I've got twelve, that's no good, is it? Twenty-two, twelve. In verse 11, it says, Thou shalt not wear a garment of various sorts as of woolen and linen together. That's in verse 11. And then thou shalt make fringes upon the four corners, the four kanafs. So they make fringes, that's the tizits there, and the four quarters, the four corners, the kanaf of thy robe, wherein thou coverest thyself. So these are the, they had these four corners with, all the, with, the, with the tassels on. But they said they weren't allowed to mix woolen and linen together. But the, Farad, the chap who was to the Hebrew, uh, ancient Hebrew, who was talking about, I looked on some of these bits, sites about, he was all in his robes and stuff, and he was talking about this, and he said, but the tassels had linen and woolen in them. Now, the linen, if you know anything about scripture, linen speaks of purity. As Alan was talking about, he was the holy one, the sinless one who came. I was praying earlier on, the sinless one. It talks about the linen of the holiness. Now, what do we see when we go to the, temp the tabernacle? We see that the, the area called the court of the Gentile was, was uh, surrounded by posts with linen 
cloth in between to separate the people from the tabernacle. There was the court around. That was all linen over the top of the tabernacle. The covering of the actual wooden structure had linen in it, had fine linen. You have a look, had fine linen. The veil had fine linen in it. It was fine, made of fine linen. The ephod, which they wore, which the priests wore, was made of fine linen. Remember, David put on an ephod and worshipped before the Lord in, his, in, the, in the tabernacle of David. He put on a fine linen ephod. He speaks of purity and holiness because it was white. It was pure. And it speaks of Christ, the Holy One, the holiness of Christ. It speaks of that. Of that. Now, what do you think the wall speaks of? Well, it's quite easy, isn't it? Sheep, the sacrifices. So the whole idea is that the, they had, somebody said it's like having the Bible, the commandments of God, hanging around their, around their ankles all the time. Every time they saw them, they were reminded of the, of the purity of God. They were reminded of the, the sacrifices. So they were reminded of the, the sacrifice and, 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 the, and the priestliness of the, the priests in, in all the linen, it reminded them of the priests and the sacrifice. And also the blue speaks of heaven, but also speaks of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that came down from heaven to us. It talks about that as well. So it's like, somebody said, it's like having a Bible when they walked around, having a big Bible round you, round you on, your, on your corners of your, so you remember all the time the commandments and the word of God because you are a separate people unto him. That's what it means for us. We're a separate people under his covering. Isn't it a wonderful picture for us that we have Jesus who's a fulfillment of all those. You see, it talks about accessibility because it talked about the accessibility of being able to go to God through the priests then. Go to God through the, through the priests and through the sacrifices to go to God, to heaven, the blue cord in there. Now, the blue cord was very expensive. Did you know? It, took 12, it came from snails, and it took 12,000 snails, apparently, to make a thimbleful of this, of this dye. It was really expensive. So if a person was in the authority, they had longer ones. Do you remember in Matthew, he talks, he tells them in 23.5 about the having long borders. That's what he's talking about. He says you have phylacteries, remember? He told them they had phylacteries and you have, have long borders. Well, he's talking about these long tassels. And because they had lots of money, they had long tassels with lots of blue in it. And they were parading them off that they were wealthy and they had authority. And he said, no, 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 it's not, that's not what it's about. It's not about that at all. You've missed it completely. It's about, it talks about Jesus having a, being our sacrifice on the cross. He fulfilled all those things. He fulfilled those tassels for us, didn't he? He was the fulfillment. Of the she would never have known this when she touched his garment. All she knew he was Messiah and that he was the anointed one who was under the authority of God, who spoke with authority, who had authority to heal people. But she didn't know about what we know. We didn't know what we know. That we can touch the tassels. But also, if we look in, in um, Psalm 17, verse eight, I've just chosen this one because there's many of them. This idea 
coming out to us, 17 verse 8. It says, Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy canaf, thy wings. It's the same, the same corner. It's those wings. You ever seen those eagles? And those little feathers that stick out at the end? That's what it means. It's talking about that we hide under the shadow of his wings. We're under the shadow of his anointing and his authority. We're under the shadow of his sacrifice and him being our high priest. Our one who goes in, the pure one who went into heaven with his blood. He speaks of that for us today. We hide under the shadow. That's what it means. It's not just a, it's a whole, it's a whole picture of us hiding in Jesus. It speaks of the righteousness which he's clothed us with and the power which he's clothed us with. You see, the power, it's the same cloak which Elijah had which Elisha got hold of. It's the same idea, the same cloak, the cloak of authority, which we walk in. We walk underneath this authority. And we're in authority because we're under authority. We're under the shadow of his wings this morning. And another wonderful thing is that they hang down. The woman could catch hold of them. They're right at the bottom. They're not high up. What does he say? It's the word of man. It's not high up, we can't reach it. It's the word of he in your mouth. It's near you. You don't have to go somewhere else. It's near you. It's hanging down from heaven. Jesus came down from heaven. It speaks of Jesus hanging down, coming right down out of heaven, coming down here, so you could catch hold of him. You could catch him. And he could heal you, could save you, change your life completely. That's what it talks about this morning. And when I said that prayer, Lord, they may catch hold of the truth. Yes, they may catch hold of Jesus, the one who hangs down from heaven, the tzit, the little one, the little bit at the bottom, where we, you might feel you're like that woman, that you're not worth, and you've got to grovel and come even behind Jesus. You're not worthy of him to come and stand in front of him. You've got to creep up behind him. But anybody can do that. A child could reach the tassels at the bottom. You could reach the tassels. You can touch Jesus this morning in your life. He's reaching down so you can touch him. She's heard about Jesus and she pushed through the throng to touch him. We may have to push through the throng of our pride and all the stuff, all, all the stuff in our lives. The throng to touch Jesus. But there was a wonderful little thing at the end of Mark, which I found when I was listening to this. And he said to her, in six, no, it says in, um, earlier on in five, at the end of the thing, he said, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Now apparently only the wife and the daughters of the person wearing the robe were allowed to touch the tassels. No one else was supposed to touch them because they were holy unto the Lord. That's why they couldn't wear them because it speaks of Jesus. It speaks, it's a holy thing. It's a holy thing. It speaks of Jesus, the word, the commandment, the life of God. And yet he calls her daughter. Only the daughters and the wives were able to touch them. Well, I had to be clean them probably. But they were allowed to once touch them. And he called her daughter. See, you're brought in to the family. 
You're brought into the blessings by touching them, even though she wasn't supposed to touch them because she was unclean. And however unclean you feel this morning, you can touch Jesus and he'll call you daughter. He'll call you daughter. You're my, part of my family. You come in part of me. Isn't that a wonderful picture of what Jesus has done for us? And because then he's that, like that robe of righteousness that covers us. We're covered over with that linen. We're covered over with the blood of the lamb, the wool. And it always talks about Jesus covering us so we can come and have access to him. Access to him. At any time. They had to go, they had, they had to be reminded every day that they had access to God, didn't they? By, their, by the tassels and by the cloths in the tassels. But we don't, we, we have access so that they knew they could go and have their that there was going to be access. But now, they're reminded that we have access 24-7 to our God. Whatever you feel like, doesn't matter what you feel like, whether you feel you're unworthy, we're all unworthy. None of us are any better than anybody else. Whoever holy we may seem, we're all the same. We're all undeserving, rotten sinners at the core before God saves us. And if you feel like that, you can come to him and you can touch him this morning. He's easy to touch. He's hung down his tassels this morning so you can touch him and receive your healing this morning. Amen. That's what it, you see, if you look in Mark 6, 56, it wasn't just for the woman. Let's start in verse 53. Mark 6, and when they had passed over and they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore, they, they, and when they were, came out of the ship, straightway they knew him. And they ran throughout the whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch it if it were the border or the kanaf of his garment, and as many as touched him were made whole. So I don't care whether you are from the city, from the village, from all from the country, it says you can touch Jesus. Don't matter who you are, where you are, what you, what you live, anything about your life, you can come and touch Jesus. He says as many as touched him were made whole.